say goodbye, remember me. Don't let it make you cry. For even if I'm far away, I hold you in my heart. I sing a secret song to you each night. We are apart. Remember me. Though I have to travel far, remember me. Each time you hear a sad guitar, know that I'm with you the only way that I can be. Until you're in my arms again, remember me. Happy Monday and welcome to Not Boring. That was, of course, Remember Me from the hit Pixar film Coco. Uh, and unlike Ernesto de la Cruz, the subject of today's company is never far away from its customers. This week's an exciting one for me because I'm getting to write it with one of my favorite Twitter accounts, the pseudonymous account Postmarket. Uh, really fun collaborating on this piece. I have an exciting story to tell today and a lot to tell, so let's get to it. FEMSA, the most interesting company in Mexico. A post-market, ex-not-boring collaboration. The C-Store Internet. In Mexico, the road to the metaverse goes through a convenience store. 14 million Mexican shoppers walk through Oxo's doors each day to buy everything from a Coca-Cola to Fortnite V-Bucks. Oxo is the on-ramp for the digital economy in Mexico. Over 60% of Mexico's population is unbanked, and the Mexican economy is still largely cash-based. Instead of entering a credit card online, Millions of shoppers go to the nearest OXO to pay cash for over 5,000 digital services. From V-Bucks to Amazon to Netflix to electricity bills, Mexican consumers trust OXO more than they trust the banks, as evidenced by the fact that OXO's Saldazo debit card is already the most popular in the country. That's OXO in the prime position to build the digital wallet for Mexico. To a reader in a developed country, the idea that a convenience store or C-store chain could become a fintech powerhouse sounds preposterous. It sounds even more loco when you learn that Oxo's parent company, Fomento Economico Mexicano S.A.B. de C.V., or FEMSA, as I'll be calling it throughout the rest of the piece, is the 130-year-old descendant of a brewery founded by five families in Monterey in 1890. But emerging markets afford opportunities for scope unrivaled in developed markets. When a country's infrastructure is underdeveloped, the companies that build out the physical and digital logistics and distribution own unimpeachable channels through which they can push a wide range of products and services. Digitally, WeChat, Gojek, Grab, and other super apps are essentially the internet in their respective home countries. Because they own the digital infrastructure, they're able to build their own services on top or extract rent from the companies that do. FEMSA falls into a related categories of companies that, by owning the customer relationship and habits due to physical proximity, may be able to expand into ownership of their digital transactions as well. If it succeeds, FEMSA will be Mexico's super app. FEMSA is to Mexico as Reliance is to India. Both are old companies run by descendants of the founders, with histories of vertical integration and unmatched capabilities in distribution in economies that lack strong infrastructure and a proven ability to push a variety of products through those distribution channels. Where Reliance dominated polyester, petrochemicals, and refining in India, FEMSA built its empire on cerveza and Coca-Cola. When he took the reins of the family business, Reliance's Mukesh Ambani's first new venture was to launch Reliance Retail, which is now the largest retailer by stores in India. FEMSA's chairman and former CEO, Jose Antonio Devil Fernandez Carbajal, took over his family's company, his family's company's struggling OXO subsidiary and grew it into the largest convenience store chain by number of stores in the Americas. And now, 
like Reliance did with Geo, FEMSA is using its legacy assets and the cash flow they spit off to build a dig digital growth engine that might transform the business and the economy in its home country yet again. Today, FEMSA's value comes from three main businesses, a 47% stake in the world's largest Coca-Cola bottler, a 15% stake in Brewer Heineken, and FEMSA Comercio, which runs pharmacies, gas stations, and most importantly, OXO convenience stores throughout Mexico and Latin America. Funds love C-stores. They're the closest thing the physical world has to the internet. They're easy to stand up, ubiquitous, offer high returns on capital, and sell high-margin products like soft drinks, alcohol, salty snacks, and tobacco, and generate strong brand loyalty by becoming a part of the customer's daily routine. I start every morning with Wawa, and until Amazon delivers $1 coffee within five minutes, that's not going to change. With COVID, though, th that physical ubiquity, typically a massive moat, became a liability. Mexico has been one of the hardest hit countries in the world, with mortality rates near 10%, and the government has enacted austerity measures instead of stimulus. While the country has largely avoided lockdowns, many people have opted to stay home, and same-store sales across FEMSA's properties have taken a hit. As a result, FEMSA crashed from a pre-COVID high of 97.59 all the way to 53.50 in early November, before picking up after Biden's victory, he's expected to be friendlier to Mexico, and promising vaccine developments positioned FEMSA as a reopening trade. Even after its recent move up, FEMSA's core business is still undervalued and comes with a free option on Mexico's Super App. Today, FEMSA is like 7-Eleven, the post office, Coca-Cola, and Heineken all rolled into one. Tomorrow, if it's able to fight through the COVID dip and accelerate its digital transformation, it could be all that plus M-Pesa or Gojek. It will have to act quickly to make that happen. The Latin American digital wallet is a highly sought after prize, and COVID has handed digital first competitors a drawbridge over its physical moat. This isn't FEMSA's first rodeo though. Devil Fernandez told Stanford GSB class in 2009, Mexico has been a typical emerging country with all the typical problems that they have which is every period of time we have some kind of political or economic crisis. This, and he was referring to the financial crisis, is the first time the economic crisis wasn't created by Mexicans. Well, COVID is the second. Each time FEMSA has faced a disaster in its 130-year history, from devaluation to financial crisis to murder, it has reset and come back stronger. The FEMSA story. The FEMSA story is a cycle of vertical integration, diversification, and refocusing, all a guiding hand of its founding families. In 1890, five men founded a brewery in Monterrey, Mexico. Quickly, the founding families established a governance structure that professionalized the business. One family runs the company and reports to the other four as shareholders and board members. In its first 50 years, the group vertically integrated. In 1899, it built a glassworks to make its own bottles. In 1921, they spent up a bottle cap maker. In 1926, they established a packaging company. In 1929, a distributor. In 1936, they started making their own malt and they constituted all of the companies under one holding company, Visa. And in 1942, faced with steel shortages due to World War II, they founded a steel mill to manufacture the steel caps they needed for the bottle caps. 50 years in, the small cerveceria was a fully integrated operation. It even produces its own talent. In 1843, Chairman Eugenio Garza built a university in Monterey, modeled after MIT. The tech is now a top three Mexican university and a feeder to the company. Current FEMSA chairman, Devil Fernandez, studied and met his wife, herself the daughter of a former FEMSA chairman, there. 
This next paragraph isn't relevant to the story, but in 1969, the geniuses in the bottling business invented a beer bottle that opens other beer bottles and called them opening bottles. Literally, you just stick one beer into the other bottle, twist, and open. I don't know why that's not still around. Beyond genius bottles, the company continued to grow and expand into synthetic fibers and chemicals like a Mexican proto-reliance. And like Reliance, two brothers, Eugenio and his brother Roberto, sat atop the company without a clear supreme. In this case, though, it wasn't acrimonious, and the brothers decided to split the company in two in 1973. Alpha, under Roberto, would take packaging, steel, fibers, and chemicals. Visa, under Eugenio, would take the bank, Banca Serfin, and the brewery and companies in its vertical development. Tragically, that same year, a political group called Liga Comunista 23rd of September killed Eugenio in a failed kidnapping attempt, which the Echeverria government allegedly knew was coming. From here on out, we'll follow his side of the company. 1978 was arguably FEMSA's most important year in the past half century. That year, Visa went public on the Mexican Stock Exchange and launched its first OXO store in Monterey. Flush with cash at a time when diversification was on vogue thanks to the book In Search of Excellence, Visa levered up and went on a buying spree. Many of the acquisitions were ill-advised. Devil said that they got into car plastics, flowers, canned food, pizza, cheese to vertically integrate the pizza, Peanuts, to go with the beer, Burger Boy, which is like a small Mexican McDonald's, home building, and what they called the, quote, cold meat business, or cemeteries. They even entered into three fishing joint ventures, with the French, Spanish, and Japanese. They did make one very smart move, buying the Mexico City Coca-Cola franchise from the Coca-Cola company for $60 million. In 1982, though, the government devalued the peso and crushed Visa, which was forced to sell off its non-core businesses, including the bank. It even tried to sell its Coca-Cola franchise back to Coke for $22 million. When Coke came back at $19 million, Visa, offended, decided to keep it. That was fortuitous. Its stake in the business is worth over $4 billion today. The company, reconstituted as FEMSA in 1988, refocused on its beverage businesses, which included Tecate as a result of a 1954 acquisition, and Dos Equis and Sol after a 1985 merger. It held on to OXO as well. Explaining the decision, Devil Fernandez said 50 to 60% of what we sell in OXO are beverages. It gives us a lot of feedback from the customers. In other words, OXO is FEMSA's version of the tight feedback loop with customers that modern DTC brands espouse. When Devil Fernandez joined the company in 1987 in the planning division, OXO was an unloved money loser with only 500 stores and a company that prided itself on making things. He told his boss, this business has a lot of potential. It's a pity no one takes care of about it. To which his boss responded, okay, you go run it then. Devil Fernandez switched out the team, cut the stores in half by dropping underperformers, set a goal of regrowing to 1,000 stores, and focused on OXO as its own business instead of as the brewery's ugly younger sibling. Meanwhile, in 1993, in partnership with Coca-Cola, it spun out Coca-Cola FEMSA as a separate entity and sold shares on both the Mexican Stock Exchange and New York Stock Exchange. It retained 47.2% of the business, a stake it still owns today. The devil became FEMSA CEO in 1995 and led the back half of a busy decade. Quote, the devil has a love affair with his two new babies, Coca-Cola and OXO, said Ernesto Canales, a Monterey corporate lawyer. In the first clue of FEMSA's eventual tech ambitions, it had a wild late 90s in Y2K, listing its shares on the NASDAQ in 1998 and partnering with Oracle to create Solistica.com, an internet-based logistics services company, which somehow still operates today. The next decade, from 2000 to 2010, was defined by acquisitions to expand its core beverage businesses. 
It bought Panamco, the largest Coca-Cola bottling operation in Latin America, to become the second largest bottler in the Coca-Cola system worldwide, and bought back the 30% stake in its breweries that it had sold to Labatt, and acquired the Brazilian brewery Kaiser. In 2010, to further focus on his Coke and Oxo babies, Devil Fernandez sold the beer business, Femsa Cerveza, to Heineken in exchange for 20% of Heineken's stock. It still owns 15%. Over the past decade, the company has rapidly expanded its comercio, especially Oxo, and Coca-Cola businesses. It's acquired Coca-Cola bottling businesses in the Philippines, Brazil, Guatemala, and Uruguay, while operating over 1,000 OXO stores per year and adding pharmacies into the mix via acquisitions in both Mexico and throughout Latin America. In 2018, Devil Fernandez retired as CEO while retaining the chairmanship and handed the reins to Eduardo Padilla. Under Padilla, pre-COVID FEMSA is showing worrying signs of repeating its early 1980s, quote, diversifying mistakes. In November 2019, it paid $750 million to acquire U.S.-based wholesale B2B cash and carry company Jetro, and in March, it paid $900 million for Waxi, a seemingly random U.S. janitorial supply company. Like devaluation in 1982, COVID might provide a refocusing force. Already, Specialties, a Bay Area bakery that Themso acquired in 2016, shut down in May due to pandemic-induced closures. That should serve as a sign that FEMSA needs to focus on its core businesses, which are now just rebounding from COVID slowdowns, expansion into its adjacent digital opportunity. So what is FEMSA today? Today, FEMSA is the third largest company in Mexico by market cap at $23.5 billion, behind only Walmart's Mexico and Central American subsidiary, Walmex, at $49.8 billion, and Carlos Slim's telecom giant, America Mobile, at $47 billion. It employs 320,000 people in 13 countries. FEMSA's governance structure enables a long-term view. The families of the Cerveceria's five founders still own 39% of the company. Bill Gates, via his investment firm Cascade and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, is the company's second largest shareholder with 9% ownership. Cascade's CIO, Michael Larson, sits on the board. He's joined by Robert Denham, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger's personal counsel and confidant. The combination of the family's stewardship with patient capital like Gates means that FEMSA is able to take the longest view in the room. It means that a tragedy like COVID is a blip to FEMSA and not an existential crisis. When asked how FEMSA was handling the financial crisis, swine flu, and drug wars in 2009, Devil Fernandez responded, One of the advantages of family ownership is that the long-term view is there. We are not thinking or worried about next quarter's numbers, never. If you ask me how they're going to be, I don't know and I don't care, because we see the long-term potential of the company. We're always making decisions that will influence the numbers in the future, not the next quarter. Thanks to Del Fernandez's priorities as CEO and now as chairman, the future of the company is beverages and OXO. What was once a sprawling collection of companies in various quasi-tangential businesses is now cleanly organized into three units. Coca-Cola FEMSA. FEMSA owns 47.2% of the largest Coca-Cola bottler in the world. Heineken. FEMSA acquired a 15% ownership in, in Heineken in exchange for its beer businesses, which included Sol, Tecate, and Dos Equis. And FEMSA Comercio. OXO, which falls under Comercio, is the crown jewel of FEMSA's holdings. It operates over 20,000 C stores, more than anyone else in the Americas. FEMSA also operates its health and fuel divisions under the Comercio business unit. A fourth unit, Strategic Businesses, mainly serves its other business units with logistics, Solistica, point-of-sale refrigeration, and plastics. Comercio, and OXO specifically, is increasingly important to FEMSA's present and future. It has nearly doubled its share of FEMSA's revenue in EBITDA for the past decade, and its 20,000-strong network of small-format stores is the company's most important strategic asset. The business units work together. 
Beer Money funded the launch of OXO and the expansion into Coca-Cola bottling, and OXO now provides distribution and customer touch points for Heineken's beers and Coca-Cola's beverages, which spit off cash that the company can use to expand OXO and push into digital services. Breaking apart the three core businesses highlights that despite the synergies, FEMSA trades at a conglomerate discount to the sum of its parts, before even accounting for its digital upside. FEMSA's business units by the numbers. Coca-Cola FEMSA. If you wanted to buy the world a Coke, you'd need to actually purchase those Cokes from its 225 bottling partners worldwide. Coca-Cola doesn't make, bottle, and distribute its own product. Instead, it has a series of contractual relationships with Coca-Cola bottlers throughout the world. Coca-Cola owns a portfolio of brands and their formulations and sells the bottlers concentrates of its beverages. The bottlers add water, fizz, and packaging, and then sell the finished products in their markets. Coca-Cola is widely popular in Latin America, with 5 to 15 times the market share of its closest competitors. Coca-Cola FEMSA, with operations in Mexico, Brazil, Colombia, Uruguay, Argentina, Chile, and the Philippines, and other Central American countries, is the largest Coca-Cola bottler by volume in the world. In 2019, it generated $10.3 billion in revenue by serving 3.4 billion cases of Coca-Cola beverages to 260 million customers at 1.9 million locations. That represented 12% of Coca-Cola's global volume. Distributing Coke products in Mexico is very different than distributing them in the United States. Mexico City has more retailers by number than all of the U.S., but drop sizes, which run from 200 to 400 cases per week in the U.S., are closer to two cases per week in Mexico. That requires a very different set of competencies. Because of KOF's scale, unique capabilities, and contractual relationships with Coca-Cola, it has been able to approach the partnership as an equal. For example, Devil Fernandez has spoken about the importance of dictating the price at which it sells Coca-Cola products instead of allowing Coca-Cola to make that decision. Coca-Cola FEMSA's strategic and financial importance to FEMSA comes from its steady growth and the cash it generates. It's grown revenue at a 7% compound annual growth rate and free cash flow at 10% over the past decade. Even through COVID, free cash flow remained relatively flat, and Coca-Cola FEMSA continues to throw off cash that FEMSA can spend to expand Comercio and push into digital services. Heineken. In 2010, FEMSA sold its breweries, including popular brands like Dos Equis, Sol, and Tecate, to Heineken in exchange for a 20% stake of the premium Dutch brewer, which is now 15%. The Heineken stake has been good to FEMSA. It's grown at about a 10% CAGR for the past decade. Heineken has invested heavily in emerging markets, specifically Africa and China, where it signed a partnership in 2018 with China Resources Enterprise, giving it a 20% stake in the country's market leader and brewer of, most of its most popular beer, Snow. Prior to COVID, Heineken reported its strongest period of growth in over a decade, led by double-digit growth in the Heineken brand in emerging markets, including Mexico, but will face headwinds in Mexico moving forward. This year, a 10-year exclusive agreement with Heineken is set to expire, and OXO entered into an agreement with AB InBev to begin selling its Modelo brands, including Corona, the most popular in Mexico. While it will continue to sell the beers that Heineken acquired from FEMSA, the relationship is less important now, and Heineken will take a hit by losing the OXO exclusive in one of its biggest markets. I wouldn't be surprised to see FEMSA sell its 15% stake in Heineken now that the stock is rebounding and approaching all-time highs. That would generate roughly $8.5 billion that the company could put towards FEMSA Comercio and the digital transformation. FEMSA Comercio. FEMSA Comercio, which includes health, fuel, and most importantly, proximity, mainly OXO, is FEMSA's growth engine. Since Devil Fernandez took over its operations in the late 1980s, FEMSA has grown from 500 stores to 20,000, dwarfing its nearest rival, 7-Eleven, with nearly 10 times the number of stores in Mexico and almost twice as many throughout the Americas. 
Oxum stores are margin machines. They're small, about 100 square meters each, cheap and easy to build out, and they sell high-velocity, high-margin products like chips, tobacco, and beer. As Oxo continues to expand into digital services, of which it currently offers over 5,000, its margins will benefit from their near 100% margins. As a result, Oxo stores generate an annual after-tax return on invested capital of about 30%. In 2019, Oxo did $9.4 billion in revenue, but revenue is down 3.8% year-over-year for the first nine months due to COVID. When COVID passes, there are two big non-digital growth drivers around the corner. One, continued expansion. The company sees the potential for 30,000 stores in Mexico alone, with additional expansion in other Latin American markets, and Corona. No, not the virus. That's bad for growth. But Oxo will soon begin selling Corona, Mexico's most popular beer, with a rollout to all stores expected by 2022. In addition to proximity, Thumbs of Comercio started its health division in 2012 and has grown through acquisition and expansion to become the second largest pharmacy chain in Latin America, with nearly 3,200 points of sale. In 2019, FEMSA added 800 new pharmacies, its biggest growth year to date, and the timing couldn't have been better. Due to COVID, health is the only division within FEMSA that has grown revenue year over year. For the first nine months, revenue grew from $2.2 billion in 2019 to $2.4 billion in 2020, despite mobility restrictions that limited otherwise strong demand. The fuel division, which was made possible by the country's denationalization of state-run Pemex, operates 545 service stations out of approximately 12,500 in the country. After adding 87 stations in 2018, fuel added only six in 2019, another bit of fortuitous timing, as fuel was the hardest-hit commercial business, down 27.5% to $1.3 billion in revenue for the first nine months of 2019, undervalued at less than the sum of its parts. Looking at each of FEMSA's business lines separately exposes deep undervaluation. This year, FEMSA has materially underperformed both the Balsa Mexicana de Valores, or the Mex Bowl, and its own components, Coca-Cola FEMSA and Heineken. At its trough valuation, the FEMSA stub, which is the FEMSA market cap minus the value of its stake in Heineken and Coca-Cola FEMSA, traded at a value of $7.5 billion, or less than six times EBITDA, For context, Walmex, the largest retailer in the region, has historically traded at 14 times EBITDA. FEMSA is arguably a better business and is inarguably growing faster than Walmex, ex-COVID, and it's trading at half price. Further, if you reduce the valuation by the $1.7 billion of investments made in the U.S., $900 million for Waxi, $750 million for Jetro, the implied valuation of FEMSA Comercio business was a meager $6 billion. Since November lows, the implied valuation has recovered to $11.5 billion for the Commercio division, or $10 billion, excluding the recent U.S. distribution acquisitions. Of note, the valuation dislocation persisted until November, well past the market lows of March 2020. While some of the parts discounts are worthless without a catalyst to close them, there's a reason to believe that FEMSA will monetize its Heineken stake in the coming year. At its current market value, it could monetize its interest in Heineken for $8.5 billion, approximately. FEMSA's conglomerate discount has seemingly been exacerbated by the expiration of their lockup on the Heineken stake, which expired in late 2015, but parking $1.6 billion of cash in cash and carry and janitorial distribution in the U.S. has done little to assuage investor concerns around capital allocation. Latin American ECM bankers are salivating at the opportunity to lead the spinoff of OXO, which would undoubtedly unlock material value, but thus far, the family has resisted any approaches. Beginning next year, FEMSA will disclose with a P&L for both the legacy logistics business, which is called Solistica, and the acquired Jansan business, which will further highlight the strength of the crown jewel OXO business. FEMSA's current business is undervalued, and that before even taking OXO's potential digital transformation into account.
OXO's strategic importance. When BlackBerry founder Mike Lazaridis first introduced the term super app in his 2010 Mobile World Congress address, he said, this is what we mean when we talk about super apps, creating experiences that are so seamless to use, that are so well integrated with the core applications that they become a natural part of your daily interactions. He was talking about the BlackBerry as a super app, which LOL, but the point stands. Super apps offer convenience. They're the one easy to access place where you can get most of the things you need every day. In that sense, OXO is already Mexico's super app. Convenience store is one of those phrases that's so commonly used that it loses its meaning. But the convenience of the convenience store allows them to grow while much of brick and mortar retail struggles in the face of Amazon and e-commerce more broadly. OXO's 19,000 plus locations in Mexico mean that an OXO is never far away. In fact, in most of the region in which it operates, there's more than one OXO for every 10,000 people. And those OXOs have the things that people want every day, chips, cigarettes, beer, soda, and water. Taken together, that means that Mexicans go to OXO often. Every day, 14 million, or more than one in 10 Mexicans, shop in an OXO. An average of 735 people frequent each small OXO per day, and most multiple times per week. When the OXO is only two minutes away, people can visit OXO more conveniently and frequently than they visit most websites. All of those customer touch points serve to build trust with, knowledge of, and proximity to customers, which OXO has leveraged to expand its offerings. For example, OXO introduced the Saldazo debit card in 2012, and it has issued over 14 million cards since. The advantage is in the name of the business unit in which OXO sits, proximity. With 19,000 OXO stores and an additional 1,250 pharmacies and 545 gas stations, FEMSA has 50% more retail locations than there are combined bank branches in the country. There are only 13,000 banks. If you're going to the OXO to pick up beer anyway, why not deposit the cash you earn that day? FEMSA's head of investor relations, Juan Fonseca, told the Wall Street Journal, this is the first banking relationship for most of the users of this product, adding that while the cards don't generate much revenue from fees, they do generate data that helps OXO tailor in-store promotions. Launching a low-fee debit card to collect data is a move that only a well-funded, ubiquitous, trusted brand with a long-term focus could pull off. Beyond data, it established a new behavior in customers, paying cash to OXO for something other than a physical item right now that laid the groundwork for digital payments. In 2016, OXO FEMSA invested in payment startup Connect's Series A and partnered with the company to let customers pay cash for more than 5,000 digital services in-store. In a country in which 60% of the people don't have a bank account, OXO is their pay-now button. For those without a credit card, OXO is where they go to pay for their Netflix or Spotify subscription, pay their electricity bill, or buy Fortnite V-Bucks. Stripe even accepts cash payments made in OXO stores meaning that any company that uses Stripe for payments can sell its products via OXO. Like a digital super app, OXO puts everything customers need to buy in one place. OXO even works with most retailers' biggest enemy, Amazon. Whereas Amazon has crushed most retailers, C-stores are worthy adversaries because their frequent low-average order value purchases are difficult for e-commerce companies to serve economically. Plus, in a country in which home delivery is often difficult or dangerous, OXO serves as a network of Amazon pickup points close to customers. Add in the fact that unbanked customers can't pay for Amazon products without a cash payment option, and Amazon has no choice but to work with OXO. Quote, Mexico runs on cash, Enrique Colbero, head of Mexico's Internet Association, told Reuters. This is a huge advantage of a company like OXO. OXO's relationship with Amazon and other e-commerce businesses creates this beautiful flywheel. People buy something on Amazon, 
and then they have to pay pesos in store, which brings them in store where they buy more things. Then OXO digitally notifies Amazon and OXO disintermediates Amazon in the process. Amazon has to deliver to the store, which solves local delivery challenges for Amazon, which drives people back into the store to pick things up, which means that they buy more things in store and so on and so forth. The same flywheel holds for any digital purchase of a physical products. Customers need to come to OXO at least twice per transaction, where they buy things, which is good for short-term revenue, and build more brand loyalty and trust with OXO, which enables OXO to push more products and services like debit cards and digital wallets. By sitting at a crucial point in the value chain between customers and everything that they want to buy online, OXO generates revenue from both sides. OXO pays pricing power evinces its importance to both retailers and customers. Retailers pay OXO 3.5% per transaction, and customers pay 10 pesos. That place in the value chain is why OXO will be able to successfully build a digital wallet. OXO's digital wallet and super app ambitions. Digital wallets, apps like PayPal, Apple Pay, Venmo, Alipay, Mercado Pago, and M-Pesa, that allow people to store money digitally and pay online and in person, are a huge and growing market. Since 2017, the market has nearly tripled from $368 million to nearly $1 trillion in 2020. They're also extremely hard to build because they're essentially marketplaces. Success requires liquidity. There needs to be enough retailers that accept the wallets that is valuable for customers and enough customers who use it that is valuable for retailers. This is OXO's moat. It already has 14 million daily active users and 5,000 supplier relationships, including massive ones like Amazon and Stripe that provide ample supply liquidity. It's also proven its ability to expand from traditional C-store retail to Saldazo debit cards to OXO Pay. By owning Mexico's digital wallet, OXO will, one, own the consumer financial infrastructure for the world's 15th largest economy with the potential to expand throughout Latin America, two, build lending products based on customer transaction history, giving people who previously had no access to credit new opportunities, three, facilitate and participate in the growth of Mexican e-commerce, and four, further cement its place in customers' lives, both online and offline as the only viable omni-channel solution. Building the digital wallet is a multi-billion opportunity in its own right. But it also means grabbing the lead position to add more services and build the leading Mexican and potentially Latin American super app. Latin America is fertile ground for super apps because of its underdeveloped infrastructure and unbanked population. It's less like the United States, which may be past the point of super apps, and more like Asia, where multiple super apps sit at the heart of multi-billion dollar companies. Indonesia's Gojek is valued at $10 billion, nearly half of FEMSA's valuation, and more than FEMSA is worth ex-Coca-Cola and Heineken stakes. Indonesia's GDP is nearly 20% lower than Mexico's. Gojek is backed by Chinese giant Tencent, whose own super app WeChat is the key to its $726 billion valuation. Also in China, Alibaba spinoff and financials digital wallet super app Alipay was preparing to go public at a market cap north of $300 billion before the Chinese government scuttled its plan. That's over $1 trillion in market cap driven by super apps in just one country. And there's India where Reliance raised over $20 billion for Geo at a $60 billion valuation, including $5.7 billion from Facebook, in part to grease the wheels for WhatsApp to become the super app there. Earlier this month, it began rolling out WhatsApp Pay, a big step towards realizing that vision, and confirmation that in emerging markets, partnering instead of competing with the local powerhouse is smart business. There's a long way to go between where OXO Pay is today and what even Gojek, Grab, or Line offer. And the larger super app companies like Tencent and Mercado Libre and Geo are a lot more than a super app. But those companies' success showed the bull case for FEMSA. Given that the core business is already undervalued, OXO's strategic position in the value chain means that investors have a free option on a $10-plus billion opportunity. COVID accelerated risks. Building the winning super app would be massively valuable to FEMSA. You didn't think it would be easy, did you? 
While COVID created a buying opportunity by tanking FEMS' stock price, it also legitimately put a damper on FEMS' growth, exacerbating existing political and competitive threats to the business. There are two main categories of risk. One, political. Mexico's president, Andres Manuel López Obrador, or AMLO, has proven unfriendly to big business and openly opposes FEMS in a few key areas. And competitive. COVID pushed more transactions online, providing a boost to competitors like Rappi and Mercado Libre. Political. AMLO is bad for business. The president mishandled COVID, its 9.8% mortality rate is among the highest in the world, and instead of providing stimulus, the government implemented austerity measures. Of specific concern, AMLO's government blames Coca-Cola for the company's high mortality rate. More Coke equals more obesity and diabetes equals higher COVID mortality rates. In October, the government imposed regulations that will force Coca-Cola to put a big octagonal black warning label on its products by December 1st. That's bad news for FEMS's cash cow. AMLO hit FEMS's cash more directly in May, when the company agreed to pay $398 million in taxes to, quote, resolve interpretive differences over taxes paid outside of Mexico, end quote, while Mex also agreed to pay $358 million. But there's hope for FEMSA. From a pre-COVID high of 80%, AMLO's approval rating has dropped to 59%. Finally, as is often the case with emerging market investments, investing in Mexico comes with significant currency risk. Between February and April, the Mexican peso U.S. dollar exchange rate shot up from 1854 to 24.99, and the government has intentionally devalued its currency multiple times in recent history. Two, competitive. Challenges with government and currency are nothing new to FEMSA. Recall that the 1982 devaluation forced the company to shed non-core businesses to service debt, which left it in a healthier position. The bigger threat to the business comes indirectly from COVID. As it has around the world, COVID accelerated the growth of e-commerce in Mexico and Latin America. While nothing beats the speed and convenience of paying cash at the local OXO, many customers were forced to adopt alternatives during restrictions. Essentially, COVID jams OXO's flywheel and opened the door for pure-play e-commerce competitors. There are three slides in the post which you should read at notboring.substack.com from a recent McKinsey presentation on Mexico consumer sentiment during COVID that presents both opportunities and threats to FEMSA, depending on how consumers are transacting online. McKinsey notes a shift to digital and omnichannel. If consumers are going to OXO to pay cash for digital services, that should present a short-term boost to margins and an even stronger opening for OXO to push its digital wallet. Customers don't want to go to the store every time they need to pay for something online during COVID, so funding a digital wallet once and being able to pay for anything online is a valuable offering. But less frequent trips to the OXO jam the flywheel. If people aren't running out to grab a beer, maybe they won't pay for that thing on Amazon and they won't come back to pick it up and buy more chips and beer. They may also turn to more pure-play e-commerce businesses like Rappi, a Latin American super app that offers food delivery, groceries, and retail, Amazon, and Mercado Libre. They may set up a Mercado Pago digital wallet to pay for it all. OXO's 20,000 location footprint, a major moat during normal times, is less impactful when people don't leave the house as frequently, creating an opening for competitors who don't want to pay a tax to FEMSA for every online transaction. Still, as Lindsay Lair points out, creating liquidity for digital wallets in Latin America is really hard. And OXO Saldozo's, Saldozo's hybrid approach, starting with a prepaid debit card with physical touchpoints backed by one of Mexico's most trusted brands, is the only thing that has worked in the country to date. Latin America will be one of the next decade's biggest growth stories, and just as Asia and India have seen fierce competition to own customers' digital lives, Latin America will be a knife fight. Whether FEMSA comes out on top will depend on whether it's able to leverage its physical advantage before the market gets comfortable with digital-only solutions. So what will it be? Throughout FEMSA's 130-year history, betting against the company, particularly when it looked like it was down and out, was never the right call. Now is no different. 
In the worst case scenario, FEMSA, an undisputed market leader with an impossible to replicate physical network of trusted C stores, is just a CPC, CPG business trading at the multiple of a structural loser. The bull case for FEMSA is that it leverages its distribution advantage and consumer touch points to launch the leading digital wallet in Mexico. The Mexican economy should directly benefit from more sanguine relations with a new administration in the U.S. and will continue to benefit from offshoring of manufacturing from China to Mexico. As a potential key player in the digitization and development of an increasingly important economic partner to the United States, FEMSA's strategic assets and distribution know-how position them to play a key role as the tollkeeper of Mexico's e-commerce ecosystem. FEMSA takes the long view. As a result, it has smartly and patiently put the right pieces in place over decades. It built bottling and distribution capabilities through its breweries that it parlayed into the world's largest Coca-Cola bottler by volume and the largest C-store chain in the Americas by locations. It's leveraged its physical footprint to ingrain itself in customers' routines and build their trust, which it used to create the country's most popular debit card and turn itself into the physical manifestation of the Mexican internet. The company's patience has given it the tools and opportunity to build the digital wallet and super app for Mexico, and potentially much of Latin America. But they're in a tight window that COVID tightened, and now they need to move quickly to concentrate their resources on capturing the big digital prize. How do we think it'll play out? Never bet against the devil. Viva FEMSA. Thanks for listening. I had a bit of a head cold throughout, so sorry for stumbling over some things and, and it wasn't quite as crisp as I normally like it. But good news is we get some time off this week for Thanksgiving. Enjoy your Thanksgivings and I'll talk to you next week.